Welcome to the Respective Solutions Podcast. Our mission at RSG is to create safe learning environments and support school professionals through resources that make a difference in education. I'm John Lewis, the host of the podcast, and we will be getting to know our Adams County community partners and discuss issues relating to the prevention of youth violence, as this is the Collaborative Violence Prevention Initiative. This podcast is being brought to you by Pennsylvania Taxpayer Dollars. Welcome to the podcast. Our guest today is Officer Richard Kiefer. He's a Cumberland Township police officer and school resource officer within the Gettysburg Area School District. Well, welcome you, Rich. Thanks for coming by. So we can have a discussion about your role as an SRO slash police officer. But before we get started, tell us a little bit about you. I lived in Gettysburg all my life and graduated from Gettysburg School District in 1991. So you have been a part of the, the district and you know the area very well and, and uh, obviously the culture very well. Does that help you in your role as a police officer, school resource officer? Yes. Just being familiar with the area and knowing a lot of people in the community. You know, I laugh because when I go places when I'm off work, uh, it's never a five-minute trip. It's like, you know, an hour or two. Okay. I'm always seeing people that I know. Yeah, that's great. So how did you get into being, becoming a police officer? Let's, let's take a look at that a little bit. I did some ride-alongs early on after graduating high school with some friends who got into police work in Gettysburg Borough here. Uh, one of the main persons I rode with was, who's now a judge, is Magistrate Harvey. Okay. Um, he worked in the borough, so I did some ride-alongs there. My dad also worked for the Sheriff's Department. And once doing some ride-alongs, I struck up the interest of possibly uh, pursuing that career. So then I... I chose that career then. So how long have you been a police officer? For 21 years. 21 years. What kind of things were you doing specifically in the department before the SRO or the school resource officer came up? Well, I started out uh, working for Gettysburg Borough part-time right out of the police academy. And then I worked for Eastern Adams Regional Police in New Oxford for like 13 and a half years. Then I worked for the Cumberland County District Attorney's Office for two years. Then I started working at Cumberland Township uh, when they asked me to be the SRO. So I did work the road prior to becoming the SRO here in Cumberland Township for a little bit prior to starting at the school. I performed various roles uh, at Eastern Adams, detective, patrol, and then Cumberland County District Attorney's Office. I worked on child pornography and child sex crimes for two years and then coming back here as a patrol guy and now the SRO. Okay, so you have a wide range of experience and obviously 21 years in, on the force. That's great. I'm glad you're there. Thanks for being there, first yeah. of all. That's great. So what we're really interested in here is how we then get into the school resource officer uh, situation. Uh, how, does, how does that come about for you? I was actually approached by my lieutenant, uh, Tim Geis, in reference to becoming the SRO. We spoke about the position, and, you know, you have to have a special interest in working with children. So, you know, in various roles in the community throughout growing up, I had coached some baseball, uh, coached my son in baseball, uh, coached a lot of years until I found out that I was too engaged, and then I had to back off a little bit. Um, and the church... I helped teach Sunday school. I did a lot of things for the youth in the church. 
and just took a special interest in helping the kids. Sure, and we all know how the whole school resource officer uh, position came to be, uh, I mean, throughout many of the districts as a result of some of the school violence and school shootings that occurred, Columbine being the the flashpoint for the for our country, a terrible situation there. And, um, and then school districts started to take a look at uh, building and uh, uh, campus security, et cetera. How, how long have you been doing the school resource officer? Uh, going on six years. Six years, okay. And do you work with all students, K through 12? How, how does that work? Yeah. Tell us about your role. So I have, yeah, the three elementaries in Gettysburg along with the middle school and the high school. Can you describe a typical day? Uh, normally, well, I, you know, now with the pandemic of uh, Corona, uh, things have really slowed down, uh, as far as I should say call volume. So a typical day for me, I usually start out at the high school. That's where my main office is. Um, I would greet students as they come in during the daytime and basically walk through hallways, sometimes go in the classrooms and meet with kids or talk to teachers you know, meet with administration to see if they need anything. Uh, so I handle all the criminal incidents that come into all the buildings. Mm-hmm. I work jointly with administration to handle incidents that are at the schools. Okay. And then, you know, I'm free to go to whatever school I need to go to. And, you know, I'll participate in drills. I help set up drills like intruder drills, uh, sometimes there for fire drills, those types of things. I would imagine that they look to you for uh, your expertise in, in school safety overall and no. working district-wide, I would imagine. That's a that's probably a big piece of what you do, too. Yeah, so, I mean, we generally do yearly training on uh, the intruder drill stuff, run, hide, fight, and we update any new reach. I should say update any new things that need updated as far as the intruder stuff, and then any new employees that get hired on, we... Uh, make sure they're, what I want to say, up to date with what we use as far as the intruder drill stuff goes. Well, you and I went through school, at least I know we didn't have school resource officers back in the day. And what are your your thoughts about having a police officer in school? What are your thoughts about that? You know, we look at it as the same way we do on the street if we're out patrolling in a marked police car. You know, that, in our mind, just stops crime at uh, in itself, you know, having a school, a marked police, I'm sorry, a marked police car sitting in front of a school building is going to make the person from the outside who may think about coming into school and doing something they shouldn't, most of the time that's going to stop them. So the main purpose of the SRO program is to bridge the gap between the students and the police. And we can work together to, with those juveniles who have trouble in their life to hopefully make their life better. Uh, meaning, you know, at our jobs as police officers, we have a lot of uh, discretion in what we do. So if we get a kid for something minor, uh, you know, we speak to them about the situation. And I'm the type of person, I don't just deal with that particular incident that they're involved in. I, you know, we speak about family life. I talk to them about the outside world when they're not in school, things that they do, uh, things they do with mom and dad. And... You know, I, I really dig into the core aspects of their life to see how I can better help them. So if they actually do a crime and we can talk about it, 
and they know what they could have been criminally charged with, and we don't go with those charges. We counsel them to try to make them better and, and hope and pray that they don't do it again. So we, we teach them, hey, if you would have done this, this is what you could be looking at criminal-wise, but we chose not to go that route because we want to make you a better person and, and let's not do it again, or this could happen. So you're working closely with the administrators and the school counselors and yes. dealing with the students? Yes. So what you're talking about here is prevention. Yes, absolutely. At that point. Well, what, what kind of situations do you come across? I've been sent to homes for truancy issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, give kids rides to school. We have conversations about why it's important to come to school, why it's important to do your schoolwork. Uh, other situations may involve uh, maybe drugs, uh, maybe alcohol. I don't run into that too often, but you know, it could be relationship issues. Uh, between the boyfriend and girlfriend. It could be relationship issues at home. Uh, now, oh, that's an interesting one now in terms of relationships. I don't think people will have a perception of a police officer in the school getting involved with discussing uh, discussing those kinds of, of things with, with kids. I mean, well, how, how do you get involved in that sort of thing? Uh, sometimes, you know, guidance counselors will come talk to me or an administrator will come talk to me and say, you know, hey, can you have a talk with so-and-so? He's having some issues with this. And, you know, a lot of times I like to go talk to those kids that really, you know, there are certain kids that don't like police because of a uniform, and those are the ones that I can talk to the most. So I can seek those people out, I bring them in, and we, you know, I ask them why they don't like police, and we have those conversations to let them know that, you know, we're there for them and, and... you know, I want to help them with whatever they need help with. But yeah, there's sometimes those kids will come right to me. Once I engage the first time, uh, you know, I may see them two or three more times. They may come to me because they feel comfortable speaking with me about it. And, you know, it's in confidence. They come to me and talk to me about whatever. And then I just try to help them out. And I use a lot of life examples. I use a lot of work experience examples with them. Um, and it seems to really help them out. So you had said something that caught my attention when you said that you greet the students. Mm-hmm. So what, 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 does that, what does that mean? You, you, you're in the building in the morning when the kids are coming in? Yeah, you just go, in, I mean, stand in the vestibule, maybe be outside if it's warm out, and, you know, just greet them in the morning. Sometimes I hold the door for them and say good morning. I think a lot of kids need that. So <clears throat> compare your first, first, let's say, first year doing this to, to now. You've been doing this for about six years. Yep. So how, does, how did the students accept you in the very beginning versus now after you have some time to build relationships and do those kinds of things? Well, that's incredible. I mean, you know, you first, I remember the first week, maybe even the first day, you know, the funny saying with a police officer is, is pig. You know, I've heard kids say that. You know, some of them kids now, you know, I watched the kids grow up from elementary school you know, those kids now are in middle school, and then I'll probably see them in high school. And now it's like, you know, I'm part of the staff. You know, they come up, they wave to me, they say hi. I see them outside of school. I mean, it's nothing for kids to come and talk to me like we've known each other for years. So they're not running away from you. They're actually engaging you in school and in the community. Absolutely. That's great, because you had referred before when, when you're in the community, sometimes it takes you a long time to get home because yeah. you're seeing people and talking about this, that, and the other thing. Absolutely. Well, that's great. You're yeah. very, very approachable. 
So, so what are the kinds of things that the kinds of criminal things that you had mentioned earlier that you you see that you have to get involved with in school? It's unfortunate that we have those kinds of things. Uh, you know, maybe a kid that's being disorderly, and when I say that, you know, maybe they're disrupting class or disrespecting a teacher. They're not in their assigned area. They're out doing whatever. We we we're having issues with fights, drugs. I don't really think that drugs are a big, huge issue. Uh, I would think that I'd be hearing more about them if they were. I'm sure there's stuff that is missed that I don't see. Um, you know, drug arrest, I think maybe six to 10 a year. That's about all. I know before the pandemic hit that I was averaging like 45 to 60 calls that I would log per month. And now I'm down to five to 10 a month. I do a log for every call that I go on. So every time I go somewhere, I have to do a police report uh, stating what I was called there for. So okay. most of my calls that I receive are coming from at the administrators or okay. you know, guidance counselors. And they, they call me by personal cell phone if I'm not in the building. So for the audience, I just want to make sure that they understand that when you get a call, it's not necessarily a criminal act being... No. It, it could range from... Um, we need to get a kid home or a truancy issue, something, uh, you know, what do you know about this? Some, something easy versus, you know, uh, a, a, a big fight or some kind of theft or something like that. Yeah. I mean, it goes from, you know, maybe a kid in an emotional support classroom left to school and they can't find them. Sure. You know what I mean? Those types of things or, you know, the fights. Or the drugs. You know, it could be something that takes one minute when you get there. It could be something that takes hours. Well, what a tremendous resource you are. I mean, you had, had a significant layer of, of intervention and authority. That, I mean, which, which, you know, as educators that don't necessarily have that particular thing um, behind them. Certainly when you show up with a, a uniform, that, that, changes the, that changes the scope of things. Yes. Now, you're six years into it. Is there anything that you would have liked to have known when you started this versus now? Or if you had a new SRO that you were training, what, what would you want to tell them that's really, really important that you were not necessarily aware of? Yeah, to me, like, if there's a need for me to be off during the school uh, week, um, it's hard for me to take off. Only because I think it takes a special person to deal with children and young juveniles. So that's why I hardly ever take off during the school year. Because even if I am off, my phone rings off the hook and I take care of business, you know, as usual. Um, if, if I'm off and an officer's needed and I'm sick and I can't come in, then I send someone from the police department over to take care of the incident. But... I think engaging with the children to let them know that you're there to help them is the most important thing. And that's the reason I became a police officer anyway. It's not because I wanted to wear a badge and think I'm better than anybody else. It's you, you have to be there to help people in their time of need. And, and that's really what the job's about. So that's what I would like, you know, if I had another SRO, you know, that'd be one of the things as far as using the discretion goes, um, and just being able to engage with those kids and really dig into their life and find out about them before 
making a decision on what you're going to do with something that happened criminally. So what I'm hearing you saying that there's a difference between things that are black and white and discretion. Um, so you, when you say discretion, you're saying that you have to judge the situation that you're looking at so that, that you may be able to steer somebody away from you know that system, as it were? Yeah. So, and the other big key here is is working with the administrators in the buildings, and sometimes even reaching out to that teacher because they're in the classroom all day with those kids, and you know, who knows them better but then the people that they're with all day. Um, so they may know something that I don't know. So I should go to that teacher and ask them, hey, you know, what's what's going on with this student? You know, is there anything I need to know because we have this incident here? And then once we deal with the incident, because the administrators have school policy, they must, uh, so they do their own investigations into school policy violations. And then if it's criminal, then we team up and we talk about it. Sometimes I go on recommendations from the administrators as to far as what I want to do. There are times they come to me and say, we want him charged. And then I go ahead and do that. Mm -hmm. Um, and they have a relationship and time with students, too, so Absolutely. they know the ins and outs as well. So when you first started this, were you accepted by staff when you came in as a role as an SRO, or was that something that had to grow and had to learn how to work together? I would say that, you know, I heard different things mm -hmm. uh, from different people, um, but I, you know, I think you grow into that role to where, you know, you have to gain the trust of anyone. Sure. And, you know, once they trusted me and knew they could come to me for certain things, you know, I think, I think things are really good now. So you had mentioned earlier that kids now seek you out Absolutely. to, to talk about whatever issues they, they have, which is, I think that's re remarkable. You know, that's, that's a great testament to your ability as well as them not seeing you as a, you know, this authoritarian, authoritarian person that's going to somehow fool with them. Yes. You know? Which is, which is great. How, how, how do the elementary kids, how do they accept you? Oh, the elementary kids are awesome. Yeah, uh, that's great. You know, the little kids, I don't run into very many that are scared of the uniform, and, you know, they love cops. Mm -hmm. um, I've had kids at, you know, various, the, the various elementary schools that just come running out of the classroom to give me a hug. Um, you know, I go usually do career day. You know, I teach them about what a police officer does. Uh, used to go in the classroom, reading books, you know, those types of things. Um, but yeah, they, they really accept uh, seeing a police officer in school. They really like it. Mm -hmm. And have you had older kids say in the high school uh, talk to you about this as a career or anything like that? Oh, yeah. I, yeah, with the, the Adams County Technical Institute. Okay. Uh, I do a job shadowing uh, every, it was every Thursday till the pandemic mm -hmm. and now we haven't done it uh, but I have a kid shadow me every Thursday for a couple hours in the afternoon and we talk about those things I've taken kids out in the patrol car I show them what you know the job functions of a patrol officer are you know those types of things they that's right they have a part of their uh, programs is a police science program is yes. that right yep all right so you're highly involved in that absolutely that, that's wonderful that's great uh, what better? What better to have someone who's actually doing the job there, yeah, right? Yeah. So, have you had any kids now? Maybe a six years. Have you had any kids that have gone into enforcement? Yeah, I, 
I sit on the committee for the Adams County Technical Institute for the Criminal Justice Program, and you know, Mr. O'Leary, who's the instructor for that class, uh, we get together a couple times a year, and he tells me about kids that went into those types of placements. Sure. For for jobs in law enforcement. Sure, and I would imagine that some some of the some of the kids you you talk to uh, uh, pursue the military as well. Absolutely. You know, doing very similar things. So, I'm trying to create this continuum of what you what you look like so you you have this ability to um to get through all this all the buildings um a a presence highly accessible and you're developing relationships that um are now years old absolutely with with kids so that that's that's fantastic and and then of course you had to indicate that this trend this transcends into the community does that by itself uh, lead to prevention, do you think? Uh, I think it does. You know, the more, I think the more that you engage with those kids, and I guess the other thing, you know, the juvenile justice system wants to rehabilitate juveniles back in society so they can live productive lives. And obviously, you know, that's what I want for every kid. I want them to be able to live a productive life. So I think teaching between school and teaching them roles the, I, I would say the more they're engaged in their roles in the school, uh, being just classwork, but playing sports, uh, being in clubs, you know, those types of things teach them responsibilities, um, you know, but it also takes involvement from home from mom and dad. Some of the kids don't get that. So when you have those conversations with those kids, you can talk to them about their role and responsibilities whenever they get out into the community and hopefully they have that mindset whenever they graduate that they can go do those things. I know every, every couple of years, the, the schools uh, in our area do something called the Pennsylvania Youth Survey. And, and one, of the, one of the bits of information that comes out of the survey is involvement and activities that's, that the schools provide, other things in the community, et cetera. And, and across the board, it seems that that is uh, um, a high, uh, a big, a big component of students' lives is the involvement they have in school and all the clubs and sports and all those kinds of things that are that are available for them. You know, you want to be busy. I know the research shows if 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 you're busy and you're doing some things, you'll time manage better than if you don't. And I know probably for myself that's probably true too. So <laughs> want to keep busy and do things. You know, so um, that that's that's an amazing thing. So. And and you're able to and you're able to have those discussions, heart to heart discussions with kids. Yes, that's that's great. And and you know, I I often I often say that uh, when I take a step back and I look at schools, then you know it's a very interesting thing that we do. We take all of the children in the community and we send them to buildings. And you know, and as kids get older, they they have other interests. So. You take high school students, say 9 to 12, and you send them all to a building where they may or may not want to go, but we do that all day long, and, and we do that every day. And, every, and they come, and they do all these wonderful things. It, it's really an amazing situation. It is. It, it truly is. And then, and then you have these layers of support for, for kids, etc. So, you know, when we get into causal factors, uh, particularly the kids that you see having issues do you have any thoughts about those things that lead to issues with, with kids overall? I think, in my belief, 
as a person and as a parent that, you know, a lot of the stuff starts at home, in my opinion. Uh, you know, if you lay down ground rules and the groundwork for your children at the house and, you know, they know what their expectations are at home, I think, you know, when you go to school, you have rules and things that you must do uh, because that's just the way it is. So discipline, parental follow-through, all those kinds of things that yes. make us who we are. And, and how, how do you see relationships with kids and, and adults, caring adults? You know, some people say that's really an important thing, that one caring adult can change a kid's life. Do you, do you see that in operation? Absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that school sometimes is an outlet for a child that is having issues at home. Um, you know, I'm trying to think of a particular instance I've dealt with. I don't... Uh, you know, maybe a parent has a drug or alcohol issue and, you know, the kid doesn't get treated as good or mom and dad doesn't spend any time with them. They kind of, you know, it makes the kid kind of feel like the outsider, like they're not wanted. Uh, so I would think that school would be an outlet for them. Although some of those kids, when they come to school, act out. And I have, I have a hard time comprehending in my own mind why a kid acts that way whenever school is supposed to be a safe place. And they should want to be there and engage because that's their outlet for what's occurring out in the outside world. You know what I mean? Sure. And I often thought that, that kids, you know, once, once they get into the rhythm of school, understand that school's a, a pretty safe place to be and that, that everybody there's really caring about them. And there's a, you know, there's a, you know, time to recreate, there's time to learn. And, and then you, you eat and you have lunch and, you know, recess and those kinds of things. So it's really not a bad day overall. Yeah. And, and if what you're describing, if there are things that are not necessarily working at home very well, it's a, it's a decent place to be for it. They can predict what's, what's going on for most of the, most of the day. Yeah. And, and sometimes in those difficult situations at home, they're not able to predict those things, and it gets a little dicey for them, I'm sure. So I, I guess p part of the message that I'm, I'm hearing you say is that um, caring adults can really assist children who uh, need additional support. So those things like mentoring and, and volunteer services and big brothers and big sisters are really vital things for many kids in our communities. Do you run, in, do you run into people from other, other areas and working with kids and in your experiences with kids? Um, you know, just probation department. I see a lot in the school. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, they come in and, and check on some of the, the kids. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of outside agencies that come into our buildings that uh, assist with kids that need extra support. Sure. Um, you know, a lot of those, I, you know, a lot of that goes unseen for me, but I, you know, I see those people in the buildings, you know, talk to them. Sometimes they talk to me in reference to a child. Um, but you know the support's there and things are going on. Oh, it's tremendous. Great. Tremendous support there. Now, uh, part of, part of uh, what we did here with the uh, Collaborative Youth Prevention Violence Project is, um, is looking at social media and trying to develop positive messaging for kids to understand that you know, social media is, um, and the Internet is a, a tough place to be. I was wanted to ask you about your experience with kids and social media in schools. How has that grown over the six years that you've been doing this? What are you seeing with all that? I mean, now with the pandemics going on, I don't really, I haven't seen a lot of it. In the, in the past few years, 
I mean, it causes a huge disruption in kids' lives, uh, not only in school. You know, I'm a personal, I was always a person that, you know, if they didn't have cell phones in school at all, I'd be fine with that. Um, you know, because it's easy for a kid to pull it out of their pocket and it disrupts their day and it disrupts their learning and they're not, they're not engaged. But they're allowed to have them and, you know, it causes, a lot of it is, you know, relationship issues with a boyfriend or girlfriend or, you know, they give their password to a Snapchat account or something like that. Someone goes in there and starts, you know, putting stuff on there that isn't true. And most kids don't report those types of incidents until it goes too far. So when it really, really starts to bother them. At first, I think they think it's funny. And then when it goes on forever and ever and ever, then that's when it becomes a problem and then they want to report it. It's a, I believe that social media is a place for people to vent instead of going to actually talk to someone. Uh, so that's what a lot of our kids do. Uh, you know, they post a lot of things on there that it's their feelings that they have and they're posting it out there for everybody else to hear. But I don't really think it's maybe truly the way they feel. So prior, you know I mean? so prior to social media, if somebody would say something like that out loud, they would have an immediate response Absolutely. from the people around them, good or bad. Yep. And they would have maybe an opportunity to recant that, readjust that, etc. have some advice from somebody, and now they just throw that out there, and there it sits forever. Yeah. Right? It's always there. Yeah. And so when, let's say, Friday there's something going on in school, and there's a misunderstanding between people that by Monday they're off on the, the next issue and it doesn't exist where the social media can continue that all weekend long and then come back into school on Monday and it's as fresh or maybe worse than it was yes. before. So w what do you think we can do as adults to help kids with this, this issue of social media? I think as, you know, as parents... Um Checking, being engaged with your child, you know, speak to them about their problems, which will hopefully prevent them from placing it or putting it out there on social media, but also, uh, you know, go through their cell phone and look at what your kids are doing and, you know, coach them as to, you know, if they did something wrong or something you don't agree with, you can coach them on, you know, well, maybe you shouldn't have handled it this way. Uh, you know, putting this out there probably isn't a good thing. We could take care of it in a different manner. But yeah, I mean, social media can be really harmful. It can lead into some really bad things. So your advice to parents is to be engaged, to monitor what's going on, have those discussions with your children, and probably set some rules on when and how the social media should be used at, at home and in the community. Absolutely. Have, have you had parents reach out to you and talk to you about those issues? Yes, I've had, uh, you know, numerous parents over the years reach out. You know, I'll provide them with different types of uh, websites to go to to look up, you know, different ways to check on certain things on the Internet um, and the social media. And, you know, there's a lot of parents out here that, number one, they don't have the time to look into those types of things. You know, I deal with it. I've dealt with it a lot in 21 years, social media. And, you know, when I go home, that's probably the last thing I want to think about. Sure. So, sure. Sure. you know, I'm probably procrastinating on that myself. You know, you have to have trust in your kid that they're going to do the right thing. But, you know, it only takes a few minutes to do some research online to uh, know how to 
get into your kid's cell phone and look at certain things or, and, and use those parental controls. And, you know, even have your kid there with you whenever you do it, if they're old enough. Yeah, I think it's a good idea. Yeah, so they can understand it. Sure, you can have that discussion. Well, I, it's one of those situations that we have to really, well, you know, work on and, and uh, talk to kids about. Uh, the older kids have uh, uh, things online. When you start working with employers, etc., they start looking into your background, and, you know, then they find these things. Obviously, it's a negative thing. So if you had... If you had one situation that you would like to share with our audience about um, your work as an SRO, that may be one of the most amazing situations in a good way. Do you have anything to, to share that might be a, an interesting story? Well, I can think of one particular incident where an administrator called me to speak to a student who was ready to walk out and just give his life away and you know, he didn't didn't want to be there anymore. And the administrator and the student didn't have a very, I don't know, personable relationship. And I can't say that I really engaged with this kid too many times due to, I don't know, I guess he, he had his group to where, you know, they really weren't cop friendly, I guess you would say. You know, they really didn't like the police. So I went down to talk to the student and sat with him for probably an hour and, and, you know, had conversations, great sports player, um, really excelled on the field. Like it was just a different person. And, uh, I basically, we were sitting at the gym, you know, the doors were all there. He could see out into the outside world. And I basically laid it out to him that, you know, there's real life out there. I knew his upbringing from talking to him, uh, things that he was involved in, and just knew that in his mind, he had said that he was going to move on and be the, you know, this big sports player and, you know, really wanted to make a difference. Sure. So I just basically laid it out and said, Hey, that's the outside world there. You can, he was old enough. He could have walked out and been done and signed himself out. And, you know, after sitting there talking sports and talking about life and, you know, how I felt that he could, you know, turn out to be this better person, great person. A uh, very likable kid, and he really could pursue a career in football. Mm -hmm. And you know, I, after that conversation, he he walked up the hall with me and decided he wanted to stay. Um, you know, That's great. So he, he finished out his career, and I'm not sure what he's doing now. Right. Well, but at that point in time, one of the critical things I hear you say is. That you sat down and you were you had a discussion with him. That you were listening to what he was talking about, and that sounds to me a thread that I'm I'm picking up through our discussion here is that listening is a big big part of what you do. Absolutely. So yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. So you know, in my job, I have all the time in the world, unless I receive an emergency. All the call. time in the world. That's amazing. <laughs> so it's it's if it's it could be five minute conversation. It could be, and actually, you know, I remember a time when I sat with you and another student for three hours. Yeah. Um, yeah. So difficult things. Yeah. So you, if a lot of times administrators and teachers, you know, they have those other jobs to do and they don't have that time to take with a kid. Um, some of them do. 
if they have the time. So I'm able to sit down. I'll sit with a kid for two, three, four hours, whatever it takes, uh, and just listen. Because I don't really think that kids have enough time, or adults, I mean, really, to you know talk about life's problems. And if you really sit and listen and just let them speak and get it off their chest, then you can find ways to help them out. Yeah, so you're talking about listening, and then you're talking about hearing their high and low points and then trying to set some goals. Absolutely. And that and that's what sounded like what you did with that, that young man who was having some issues. And he, he came to that point where often many of us come to is like, what am I going to do next? Yeah. How am I going to do that? And for many, many kids who are going to graduate, they're looking out, out the door down the hallway, and it's kind of like a dark hallway. Yeah. You know, where do I go and how do I, how do I navigate the adult world and my next steps? So that's, that's great. So a critical component of what you're doing, and, and certainly anyone in those roles in, in dealing with children, is to be that listener. Yeah. Not non-judgmental listening and not necessarily telling them how this is going to be and what you're going to do, but listening and coming together and working together on a potential solution to the, to the issues. Wow, that's incredible. You know, various reasons because of the, the pandemic. Sure, that's really changed everything. Absolutely. So we'll have to deal, we'll have to deal with that and discuss that another time. Is, is there anything that you'd like to leave with our listeners at this point about the role of the SRO in schools that you want to share? Just anything that might be on your mind? Um, you know, it's a very dynamic job. You know, you take the role on as more of a counselor than, you know, a police officer. Uh, but also, you know, there are situations where you got to remain firm and, you know, not only dealing with the student, but you also dealing with the parents also because they're juveniles. So, you know, having that relationship with uh, uh, parents, you know, maybe one of my bad points, although it, it, it's a very good point, is I try to make myself available for people whenever they need me. Mm -hmm. So, you know, my work day doesn't end at 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock, no. 4 o'clock. You know, I can remember a time at 11 o'clock at night when I'm sound asleep, my phone ringing because, uh, you know, we'll use the phrase, little Johnny doesn't want to go to school the next day and he's acting up at home and, you know, those types of things. I, I give out my personal cell phone number and people, parents, kids, whoever it may be, contact me all the time for whatever. You know, I'll get cases, investigations while I'm off work. You know, I remember times when I sit down with my family to eat dinner that I'm, you know, shoving food in my mouth really quickly and changing my clothes and out the door I go. And, you know, I'm not back for three, four hours because, you know, maybe it's a school safety issue for the next day or, you know, a kid's contemplating, you know, hurting themselves or something like that. So I think it's very important that you make yourself available. And, you know, people see that. Sure. And, you know... They want you to be there for them. I'm not saying that, you know, as police officer, you know, we can't solve all the world's problems, but, you know, just being there could make a big, huge difference. Well, it takes all of us to, to work on these things, and you can never do enough. There's no doubt about that. But I, I can tell you that I really appreciate what, what you do as in your role as an SRO and a, a police officer in the community and, and, and all the police officers in our community that, that keep us safe and, 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 and do all the things above and beyond. We really appreciate all those, all those men and women out there. But I want to thank you very much for, for coming by and, and having this discussion with us about your role in the, um, in the schools. I appreciate it very much. Thanks for what you do. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. 
You can find out more about the Respective Solutions Group on the web at www.respectivesolutions.com. You can also find the RSG podcast series on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts.